Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When I was a kid... My dad was a cop. Then he was in forensics. Then he was a New South Wales firefighter. This season of Loose Units is called Hot Stuff Coming Through. And apart from having an incredibly cool and stupid name, it's going to reveal the untold side of being a firefighter in Australia. Enjoy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Loose Units Hot Stuff Coming Through. I am your host, Paul Verhoeven. Across from me is my ex-firefighter dad, John Verhoeven. Now, over the last few episodes, we've been talking about some pretty odd stuff. But Dad, something that you mentioned um, near the beginning of this season was the gear that firefighters have to basically like whack on in the back of, you know, you're you're driving super, super fast and you're being thrown around the place and you're having to basically get into what you described as the equivalent of scuba gear. Mm, yep. So I thought maybe this episode, we could talk about something that um, firefighters the world over, I'm sure, deal with, and that is breathing apparatus. I know mm. it sounds a little bit uh, boring, but you've assured me it's... No, it's, it's bloody fantastic. Well, do you want to dive in? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good okay. pun. Is it? Dive. Well, scuba divers. Oh, right, sorry. Um... <laughs> Anyway, um, the thing is, in the early 1800s, firefighters cleverly yeah. realised that if they had some air, they could actually go in and stay longer in the fire. Right. Because they were, they were doing terrible damage to their lungs. And I've told you the story about a lot of fireys, I would have been fucked because I can't grow a beard. You'd be laughing because you can grow a beard in, what, three days? I grew one just then. It was incredible. Thanks. So the thing is, they would actually... Are you, have I told you what they used to do with their beards? No. They would gather them and press them into their mouths. Oh, as like a filter, right? As a filter. That's disgusting. And they used to call them, uh, you know, smoke eaters and fire eaters. Mm. And it was and it was a very a wonderful uh, job in so far as, you know, very, very... Uh, the greatest of uh, respect and love from the public to mm. fire is... And there are some very, very iconic paintings and posters, particularly from the 19th century in England and France, of showing, um, you know, firefighters with big beards and all the leather gear. And that, and the same gear, basically, as when I joined the job, you know, the lion tamer suit and the long boots, that yeah. hadn't changed for maybe 200 years. Right. And, um, you know, and there are famous paintings of them coming out, holding a little baby or, or a girl or a boy, and just the... And the look of the parents, and they're, they're, they're beautiful paintings, and they're, and they're in some of the great um, galleries, galleries yeah. of the world. Yeah. And when you stand in front of these 
wonderful depictions. Mm. I mean, for me as a fiery, I find them very powerful. They're very heroic. And heroic. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, you're right. And then in the early 1800s, they had this incredible uh, idea of actually pumping with bellows air connected to a mask so the fireys could actually go in and stay longer and protect themselves. So they were very much aware of the dangers with smoke. But the problem was that it didn't, the hoses couldn't be that long. And if they got uh, knotted or kinked or torn, mm. you know, it'd be very bad. But they'd been thinking about having some way of having uh, stored air, compressed air, mm. on your back. And then um, it really got going in the 1930s. They started to develop all these uh, systems. So when I joined the fire brigade, I'd done a lot of scuba diving. So I was very, very used to. Um, Breathing compressed air. Yes. Now, when you don uh, the mask in preparation to go into a fire, let's imagine, Paul, that on average you think you might be able to get around about 20 minutes of firefighting. So the general rule of thumb when you go into a fire is that you allow yourself one-third of your oxygen or air supply to fight the fire. Now, are you thinking, what about the other two-thirds? Well, uh, is some for for getting out or... That's it. Yeah. The remaining. Okay. And why do you always have twice as much to help you get out? What if you get trapped in there? Correct. Oh. And invariably, uh, what can happen and does happen, unfortunately, is that fireys, um, they get lost. Oh, I see. Okay. So, there have been some incredible cases and I've been into fires. Yeah. um, So hot. And just to go into a um, a fire is an incredible experience. What's it like? I'll tell you. I'll tell you a little bit story. Um, yeah. I mean, I've been to quite a few fires, and I've been into quite a few houses and uh, you know apartments and big buildings too. I just think it might be really interesting for listeners to yeah. actually get a yeah know, yeah yeah. So occasionally, I mean, you do sort of in a weird sort of a way. I mean, you're in the fire brigade, and funnily enough, yeah, like. You actually occasionally would actually like to go to a fire. I know it sounds a bit weird, but well, no, you, you know mean, you want to do what you're trained to do. You signed up to put fires out, yeah, and um, well, fires and chemical incidents and everything that goes along with the job. Mm. I was working at DY one afternoon. We yep. were coming back about one in the hour. That's on the northern beaches of Sydney. Was this when you were a relief firefighter? Yeah, I was a relieving fireman. Okay, and my base station was um, 69, which is DY. Okay. Uh, or as the French would say, soixante neuf. Or as the internet would say, nice. <laughs> and um, I was working with a really, really great station officer. He was a fucking great guy. And he was very, just an amazing, you know, you know, in life, if you work with someone that you really like and you respect, mm. it gets the most out of people. Oh, it brings you up. Yeah. And, and everyone's feeling, there's no stress. I worked with some, some station officers that from the second you got in the fire engine, you were just fuck, it was just, you know, just, that was not good. But most station officers were really, really, really fantastic. Yeah. And um, and it was, their, their role is incredibly important mm. because they are actually, you know, they're, they're the eyes and ears. They appear to be kind of, it's weird when you rock up to a fire, you, you sort of, you're so focused on what you've got to be doing, you don't notice anyone else. You're There's very, you know, you, you know what you've got to do. And, and, and we were coming back to the fire station we hadn't got any calls, mm. and we're coming up the hill to DY Fire Station. And on the right, on the opposite corner is DY Police Station. Yes. 
And as we're coming up the hill, we saw this massive plume of black smoke from on the other side of the hill, which is um, down towards kind of Chroma. It was weird to see a fire that hadn't been called in. And as we came to the top of the hill and we looked down, maybe three or 400 metres down on the right was a house well alight. So when I say well alight, uh, flames coming out, all the windows had broken. <clears throat> yep. And we drove straight down. The station officer called it in, called for backup. We may have asked for another two, maybe three stations. And we rocked up and it was a surreal experience to have actually seen a fire, not being called to it. Just making our own way down. Just happening across, upon happening, it naturally. Happening just down from the fire station. And that's rare, isn't it? Incredibly rare. Okay. And the time of day, 1 p.m., that's a weird time. Most house fires yeah. are at night time. Why is that? Well, in wintertime, people use candles. Um, heaters, they fall asleep with cigarettes. Heaters, and... you know, all that's... A lot of it's night time. So, 1 p.m., um... Yeah, just after lunch. Yeah. It was like everything was in slow motion. It was a great crew... There were members of the public. Here's a here's a really really uh, great tip for all the listeners. Wherever you live in Australia, make sure that you know where the nearest hydrant is. Interesting. It really really important because at two in the morning, mm. when most fires happen, the first thing the fire brigade want to know, and you'll be able to help them, is where is the hydrant, because there's a lot of adrenaline pumping on the on on the motor. You're thinking about a lot of things. The poor motor driver's thinking about he wants to pull up in a really, really safe way, yeah. close to the fire, but not too close. He wants to be able to get everyone out safely, get the fires in, give them water, and then he has to get water in. And it's the fires that go into the, the fire, as we've said before, yeah. have it's in minutes until they run out of water. Yeah. Can you imagine being a fireman inside a burning building and fucking the water goes off? You're so, fucked. So how can our listeners find out? Just lo easy. Lo locate the hydrant. Yeah. You'll see signs on um, telegraph poles. Uh, if you're lucky in, in Melbourne, you've got over, over ground, yep. above ground, which are fantastic, like in America, and just know where the hydrant is. So you or some neighbour can run out, um, maybe with a torch, mm -hmm. And just wave the fire engine down and point to them where the hydrant is. They will kiss your ass. That's really useful advice. Mm. Okay. Like it's really, really great. Because to find a hydrant yeah. at two in the morning, and sometimes fire engines inadvertently park on top of the hydrant. Yeah. Uh, which means they've got to run out a lot more hose. Um, so there are lots of things the public can do to help. So you've pulled up at the front of this house in DY. Where was the hydrant in this situation? It was... From memory, look, they're either on the footpath or the road. Okay, and um, on the road, yeah, quite often they're on the road. Really, yeah. So, so the, the the motor driver, he he cracks the hydrant. Yeah, he does all that sort of stuff. But I was with a colleague, and we had our breathing apparatus on, and we just went into the. We kicked the back door down of this house, and we went in. Why the back door? <clears throat> um, look, that was just the first door that was, um, and it was probably the most flimsy door. Sure, and it just. From memory, that's just the way we happen to come onto the property. Have you kicked many doors down? Um, yeah, a few. Where's the best place to put your foot on a door to kick it down? Uh, the lock. Okay. Yeah. I just, I just think that's a really cool thing. Most people have wanted to try. No, it is exciting. It's really bad if you use your shoulder and it, and it doesn't work in front of other people. Very embarrassing. Yeah, and, and you have to do it again and again and again, and nothing happens because you realise that you can't kick all doors down. By the way, right. depends on where that how. They're set into the, into the 
sometimes you can just knock. <laughs> true, true. Um, but but look, there was a lot of smoke issuing from the building, and there were flames, and it was it was well alight. Yep. And uh, but the reason we went in is that someone thought someone was inside. Oh shit! So when we went inside, um, here, here's a little um, bit of trivia for the listeners: if you're outside a house fire or a factory fire, observing, mm-hmm. and you see flames and smoke, what the fiery sees when they go into a fire, mm. and I've seen it a few times now. It looks like the sun. It's a ball, small ball, perhaps the size of... I'm speaking from my experience. I'd love to get some feedback from other fireys. And it's called the seat of the fire. That's like the epicenter. That's the hot point. And it looks like the sun. What do you mean it looks like the sun? Is it round? Well, it's like a, it's like a round, glowing ball. Are you serious? Ball. Fucking earth, I'm serious. That's really creepy. Yeah, it's amazing. And that's the seat of the fire. I've seen it a few times, and it's quite... Magnificent. You now, cl- that's you have to look for that because that's the hot point. If you claim it, can you absorb its power? <clears throat> anyway. And become one with Paul, it's a good thing you didn't become a firefighter. Oh, come on. I bring much needed morale to the office, you know. Mm. Um, anyway, so, but another thing, you, you're down really, really low mm-hmm. because I've explained to you, if you stand up in a fire, it's it, the heat's unbearable. What happens when you kick a door down and the and what happens to the heat inside Okay, the well, what, what can happen, you've got to be careful, is that you, you can... See, the fire goes through various phases. Yeah. It's the initial phase. It goes through the flaming phase. But then what happens is once it's sucked up all the oxygen, yeah. it goes into the smouldering phase, which right. is like that last phase. But sometimes when the fire is rock up, it looks dormant. You kick open a door Give and all oxygen. of a sudden it sucks the air in. You feed it. And, and it just can, it can explode. Shit. It can be really, really... And you can get what's called flashover, where the entire ceiling... and it just becomes like, it just lights up and it's super dangerous. Anyway, we're down low we, and we're sort of looking around and we eventually located the seat of the fire, but I kept going past this, uh, like we, we, we imagined we were in a hallway. Yeah. You haven't been into the house, but you kind of get a sense of, but we couldn't find the seat of the fire at first. And then eventually we realized that there was a fridge, but we weren't in the kitchen. It turned out to be an arson and the the arsonist had lit the fire, then he'd moved the fridge down from the kitchen, down the hallway, and he'd blocked the door, knowing that if the fire is rocked up, we couldn't find the seat of the fire. Oh, my God. So it'd take hold and destroy the place. Because that's an arson's objective, which we'll cover in another episode about. The things that an arsonist will do, they're very, very clever to prevent the fireys from being able to successfully put the fire out. Mm. But eventually we, we, we sensed that there was this fridge and it was really, really hot, but we got our gloves on. And then we figured out that oh, it was so surreal because you don't, mentally it sort of discombobulates you in terms of you know that you're in a hallway, and but why? what is this fridge doing here? Yeah. And we had to then manhandle the fridge. And then once we knocked the fridge out of the way, that's when I saw the seat of the fire, this ball about the size of a soccer ball. Okay. Like a white glowing ball. Once you see that, you know that that's the epicenter of the fire and then you hit it with water. Because we didn't use our hose. It was charged all the time. We hadn't actually let any water into the house. Mm. Our objective was to find the seat of the fire. And then once we hit it with the... the, the it was a length of a 38 millimeter diameter hose. Mm-hmm. Once we hit it, that's the intensity of the steam becomes so hot because oh, yeah. steam burns. Well, you remember the, the boy in the rice bubble boy? Yes. They were steam burns. Oh, 
shit. How, how far back are you from the seat of the fire? In the corridor? or where, um, where I would have been, or we, the two of us, because yeah. we work as a team, mm. um, we would have been maybe 15 feet, which is about maybe four, four metres. And who, were you at the front of the branch at this point? Oh, no, I can't remember. I was trying to impress you by saying, yeah. by remembering the, the terminology. That's that's really good. Thanks. Yeah. So once you find it, you let let the water go. Yep. And the then the intensity of the steam becomes so incredibly hot. And and here's another really fascinating thing. Have I ever mentioned um, the Strathclyde device? No. Okay. Well, that's a device that all fireys, at least, used to wear. Yep. I, I imagine they still wear something like this. Mm. But it's a uh, it's an alarm that every fiery carries. And it actually goes off when you stop moving. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Wait. So when you hear a Strathclyde alarm go off, it generally means fireman down. So fireman down is probably what no smoke, in, smoke inhalation. Something's fallen on them. They or... could have been electrocuted. And that's another thing, Paul. It's really important for yeah. the listeners. Yeah. When you go into a fire, you can't see anything. So think about it. The noise is amazing. There can be explosions. There can be gas. There can be electricity. The station officer. One of the jobs of the SO is to cut the power. I went to another fire once at a house well alight. Similar situation. Yeah. Myself and a colleague were inside this burning house and all the rat's nests up in the ceiling were igniting and falling down all around us. And then what had happened was the station officer had cut the power to this particular house. Yeah. But the house was a bit dodgy and they'd actually run power illegally from another house behind. So we were in water. Like there's so much water inside the house because we've been fighting it for... Maybe maybe five or six minutes. Yeah. And then we realized that um, potentially we were we could have been electrocuted. Would your um, boots have been... Oh, no, you're, you're on hands and knees, aren't you, at this point? Like, you're down low. You're, you can be on your knees. How ins- or you're just crouching, generally. I'm just curious as to how insulated you are in not, your uniforms. Not, not, not enough. Because you're wet. Like the lady... Um, remember that lady that was cut in two? Oh, Jesus. With the... And she was all. It was all the the, the urine soaked water. Hey, you want to hear created 
fun story. That case is in uh, Electric Blue, the book that's coming out. Great. That's going to be great. Mm. Um, okay, can you, hang on. Can we just take a quick sidebar? The rats. Um, I didn't know that rats built nests. Uh, but these were big, I, I, big nests. I wish I didn't. Mm. They were, they, these, these were like eagles' nests. Were the rats alive? Um, I'm not sure whether, whether they were. That's some pretty graphic imagery is what yeah. I'm saying. Okay, so you're in the house putting out the seat of the fire. Mm, but you're, you're looking for the seat, but you're traveling forward yeah. and you're, you don't... I mean, you're in a... Have you woken up in a stranger's... Not a stranger's house, but you woke up in a hotel room and you don't know where you are? Yes. Imagine going into a room mm-hmm. or a house that is super hot, yep. let's say six or 700 degrees. Mm-hmm. It's wet. It's loud. You haven't been there before. It's You're wearing breathing apparatus. You cannot see one millimeter in front of you, but you've still got to make sort of inch forward and get into the house and, and you might have to do a search. You might have to search every single bedroom. Yeah. You come to a bed, you feel underneath the bed. You go into the kitchen, you open up all the cupboards to see if there's someone, as I said to you before, particularly children, yeah. can make their way into the kitchen, hide hide in a cupboard and die. But but hopefully not. I yeah. mean, hopefully you'll, you can hear them. And Imagine if you hear a kid screaming. Imagine yeah. if you hear a kid screaming from a room and... You can't find it. Or you can't you can't get to it. It's it, it's it's there's a fire between you, and that's why you, you know you you're, you're trying to sort of. Oh, there's so much happening. But here's another thing that you must do when you are feeling your way down into the fire. You always have your hand. If you can explain to the listener what I'm doing here, holding your hand about a meter in front of you, and your palm facing you, like you're reading off your palm. Yeah. yeah. And the reason you do that, uh, so that you're. I don't know. Okay. If you touch anything electrical, what what happens to the hand? It goes okay. like that. You with me? So if I was going like this, and oh. I'd just reach and you'd die. You're so like, if you go like that, at least you you get the shock, yeah. but you're not going to wrap your hand around that particular object. You're balling your hand into a fist because mm. the electricity makes the muscles contract. That's right. Okay. I mean, little little things like that, but really important. So, all right. You'd been directed into this burning house at 1 or, was it one or 2 p.m.? 1 p.m. 1 p.m. Yeah. And um, you said before, you told us that, it was because they suspected somebody was still inside. Yeah, one of the neighbours shouted out, oh, someone such and such, we haven't seen him. Right. So we have to go in. And you've located the seat of the fire. It's behind the fridge. Yep. Um, and that's when we knew it was an arson. Yeah, of course, because no one's going to put a fridge in the way. No, no. Okay, so you start hosing the seat of the fire. Is it not... Like, what's your priority list at this point? Are you trying to find the person, then put the fire out, or vice versa? We'd pretty well combed the house okay. up and down. Okay. We were, we were fairly comfortable, yeah. but fireys, unfortunately, um, there have been cases where fireys have gone in and done their best, and then in the ruins, they find a skeleton. Fucking hell. Mm. How many minutes were you in the house before you located the uh, seat of the fire? I'd say maybe six minutes. At which point, you've got about 14 minutes left of water, provided they've not found a main, a hydrant, right? I know. You've only got about eight minutes. Eight all, minutes? All up. I thought 20. Why no, it? no way. Eight minutes. Seven, eight? seven or eight minutes, depending on the pressure they're giving you. That's like a Zeppelin song. That's not very long. <clears throat> That's not very long. And, and when you first go in, um, the, the pump drive gives you 400 kPa. At least that's what they used to give us. That's the... That's the, that's the lo- Kilopascals. That's the pressure yep. that we that he will give us, he or she will give us at at the nozzle. Mm-hmm. Is Always start with, with, um, with 400. Yeah. But if you need more... We can signal to the SO. How do you, and he, si- how do you signal from inside the fire? Um, you can say, "Give me more." No, are shout you, out. Oh, shout! Yeah, you're not on. You're not radio. You're not using, or anything. You're not. Look, generally, yeah. 
I'm okay. not going to be using a radio in that situation. But things may have changed a little bit. But, yeah. you know, I'm speaking about what it was like um, in, in the God, 30 years ago. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So you, all right, you put the fire out presumably at mm. this point. How long did it take? To put a house fire out um, on that particular occasion took about all up, maybe 30 minutes. Okay. And any other trucks rock up or just you, just you guys? Um, yeah, the fire is rocked up. They may have been doing a bit of firefighting from the outside, okay. but they've got to be a little bit careful because they know fire, fires are inside. Mm. Um, but I think we had pretty good control of it. I find it so interesting because I guess I, like I'm probably a few of the listeners, assumed that fire is just stuff, like just an amorphous bunch of stuff. Like it's all fucking fire. It's all equally fiery. And if you put it out, you just sort of have to put it all out at once or put out as much as you can or push it back like a tide. I didn't realize that it kind of had elements of like a living thing. Because when you say the seed of the fire, it sounds like you're describing a massive monster and you need to cut the head off. Mm. Like it sounds, you know, it sounds like, first of all, I I didn't know that. And I'm genuinely fascinated Mm. by that. So... Once- can, can I commend to everyone, if they get a chance, go onto YouTube, yeah. have a look at some of the CSIRO film, which only lasts a few minutes. Mm. Have a look what happens when a bedroom mm. starts with a tiny, tiny little bin fire. Have a look what happens and how long it takes. And it's fairly slow to start with, but it gets to around about six minutes and you have what's called flashover, where basically the entire room spontaneously ignites. Okay. Now, if you happen to be in that room as a firefighter... Mm. You've got some fucking problems. You um, you began this episode by mentioning breathing apparatus. Um, and I know that obviously this is not something many people will experience. You gave the analog of, uh, you know, scuba gear, which is something more people have become familiar with. Um, now, I glanced at your notes uh, and you mentioned there was a word there that I've only ever heard used to describe like military operations. Phosgene sounds like something Doctor Who would deal with. It sounds mm. borderline fictional. What is Phosgene? Well, my dear Paul, you you, you know that uh, the award I got for um, the St. John Order of Australia? Yeah. And I got it with another fire for bringing that dead person back to life? Yes. Well, that same fireman, he and I, were the same two on that day that brought that woman back to life as the two guys, the two fireys mm. that went into a room uh, full of Phosgene gas. Now, on the day, I remember we rocked up. Remember how I told you that the junior men always get the pretty shitty jobs? Yeah. So, he and I, we were both the junior guys on the back of the pump. Do you want to name him? His name's Tim Kerrigan. Okay. And he's now a station officer. Oh, lovely. And um, he and I, the first thing I remember when we rocked up was that they had a full hazmat situation yep. with all the drenched showers and all the, the, the pools and... They had people in fully encapsulated suits. It was like it was like Chernobyl. Where was this, by the way? What it was on the Pacific Highway, uh, north of Chatswood at Film Australia. Oh wow! Oh, now just just quickly, just from a layman's perspective, when you say film, I'm thinking, is this some um, the old celluloid? The cam- the chemicals they would use. Okay, mm. well, now please continue. So this it became very evident to me that this was a really really big production Mm. and for the first time and the last time i got to don is the term they use don a fully encapsulated suit a fully encapsulated suit has a um separate air supply that actually inflates the suit okay and we also have our breathing apparatus our tanks on our backs so we're in 
pretty well full uniform. Then we hop inside this incredible space suit. Could you describe the suit? Well, it's got a visor yeah. that's about a metre high. Why? Oh, the, so you... the visor. <laughs> you need full vision. Oh, it's like you're in a little cubicle, like a walking yeah, cubicle. Yeah, and you've seen them on the news. Maybe. They're just, they're just these incredible... I mean, everyone out there, just just Google um, New South Wales Fire Brigade fully encapsulated suit and oh, you'll so see. You said Chernobyl and it's, that's probably a pretty accurate analogue of that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and then I'm sort of thinking to myself, fuck, this is pretty serious. Mm. And we didn't really appreciate what we were getting ourselves into. Okay. But they explained to us that if we got one nick in our suit, we'd die. Holy shit. Mm. So Tim and I, we go into this uh, room and it's weird because... You're wearing this suit that is so... It, it sort of disconnects you from the real world. Right. And our job was to decant this particular liquid from this um, faulty uh, machine. And this is a machine that all the big reels for all the movies we used to go and watch, the huge reels, yeah. they'd go through this solution. And at a certain temperature, uh, phosgene gas is given off. So I'm sitting on the plane this morning. Yeah. And I googled phosgene. Now, to the listeners, I've never ever googled phosgene. Now, did you know this when you went into this? Situation? Had no idea. So you found out effectively. You found out hours before recording this show what kind of trouble you correct. Been in. Okay. And I'll tell you what. When I read, um, and I, I'm going to read it to everyone because I think it's really, really pretty. Phosgene, which smells like mouldy hay, is also an irritant, but six times more deadly than chlorine gas. Phosgene is also a much stealthier weapon. It's colourless and soldiers did not know at first they had received a fatal dose. After a day or two, victims' lungs would fill with fluid and they would slowly suffocate in an agonising death. Although the Germans were the first to use phosgene on the battlefield, it became the primary chemical weapon of the Allies. Phosgene was responsible for 85% of chemical weapons fatalities during World War I. Holy shit. And I and my friend Tim, we went into a room full of phosgene gas. One nick in our suits yeah. and you're fucked. Can I ask a question? Yeah. Were you qualified to do that? Yes, we'd, we'd learnt at the academy about... Wearing the fully encapsulated suits. And, sure, and you have a massive, massive backup team. But surely there were people whose job was solely hazmat, right? Like, Or was that just something that would happen look, occasionally? Look, hazmat yeah. rock up and they set up the most incredible... Like a massive triage. Mm. You've seen it. Where they set up all these showers that you go through. It's like something out of a... What's that famous film where there's that nuclear incident? Uh, there's a movie that was quite famous and everyone comes out of the nuclear facility and they had to be scrubbed down. Well, that's yeah. what was... So, they were, we, we were being hosed when we came out. Yeah. But we did the job really, really well. And what was it like being in there? But did you have even a vague sense of... First of all, what what, what did you actually do in the building? Well, we had to... Um, oh, this is, this is really amazing. Mm. So, uh, from memory, it was a, a pr- pretty stormy afternoon. Yeah. So, it was really, really dark and all the power was off. Oh, my God. So, it was pretty dark. Oh, my God. Um, we... I don't. We had these special torches that um, are safe torches that can be used in explosive environments. Oh, like if you drop it, it's not. Yeah, gonna, yeah, okay. won't explode. Yeah, in theory. Um, but we had to be given these incredibly complex. Oh, oh, that's right. It's all coming back to me. We were given really, really complicated um, instructions by basically scientists, mm-hmm. 
and they were kind of being very nice and but slightly aloof and I know I now know what they were thinking. They were thinking, fuck, thank God we're not going in there. And they had to give us these really, really detailed instructions. And I remember Tim and I walked into this fairly small room yeah. and this machine that we looked at was so complicated and we had to locate this particular place on the machine mm. where and then we had to look for this fluid and you could see the fluid. It it looked like water. How much of it was there? Probably a cup. A cup? Yeah. A cup could have killed you. A cup would kill so many people. But what happens to... How are they allowed to use this? Well, I mean, that's used in industry all the time. I, I did a fair bit of research. So once you get the phosgene out of there, are you pouring it into a canister? Yes, we had it? to decant it and then seal it. And then you bring that out? No, 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 no. We left that. Because what happened was the air had to dissipate, which took a long time. How long do you remember? Days, weeks? I'm, I'm, we'd long gone. And we did f- what we had to do. Yeah, and this is at Film Australia. Yes. So if anyone listening works at Film Australia, just be careful, I guess. So once you're done, you get hosed down, you get showered down. Yep. Right. Um, yep. And then, and then what? And then we debrief. We pat ourselves on the backs and we head home. You thank God the suits didn't get in here. Yeah, but if they had, have, um, I wouldn't be here today. Well, no. So, super deadly. And I, I don't think... I mean, I think... Well, I've indicated to you how, how, how deadly it is. Yeah. And the terrible thing about it is that um, it doesn't kill you till the next day or day after that. Can I ask you a question? I yeah. mean, well, no, this doesn't work because you didn't know. But <laughs> the delayed thing is very scary. But did they tell you? No, no. Why not? No idea. Because what have you gotten home? Look, who next? knows? Look, you Jesus. know, it was a bit... Look, it was pretty good. At least we got to use those suits. It was pretty good and we got to use the cool suits. Yeah, and that was... The f- and there were the media. The media was there. It was, hu- it was a big production. Mm. So, we were on the news that night and... Yeah, it was pretty exciting. I'll close out on this note for this episode. Uh, there is a photo of you putting out a fire. Mm. Um, it was taken by a photographer, I believe. Was it Sydney the, Morning Herald? Sydney Morning yep. Herald. Yep. It's a gorgeous black and white photo. It's on our Facebook page That's right nice. now. Yeah. And in it, you are wearing not the full breathing apparatus, but you're wearing a lot of gear. Yeah, with my number on the back of my tunic, 6975. 6975. Well, that was genuinely thrilling. That was genuinely, genuinely thrilling. Um, And we've got so much more lined up for you this season of Loose Units, hot stuff coming through. We really hope you're enjoying these stories straight from an ex-member of the New South Wales Fire Brigade and an ex-member of the uh, New South Wales Police Force. If you haven't already, make sure you head across to our Facebook page. It's facebook.com forward slash Loose Units for all the information on our upcoming shows, all kinds of stuff, and info on the upcoming release of Electric Blue, the sequel to Loose Units, out this year through Penguin Publishing. I think I've written a good book. I hope I've written a good book. And, uh, Dad, you can attest to the fact that there are some real surprises in there towards the tail end of the book. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Exciting stuff. All right. Well, we'll see you next week for another thrilling episode of Loose Units Hot Stuff coming through. Bye. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.